All right. Make contact with your neighbor and, and, and let's, let, let, me, let me say this before we pray. Last Thursday, I taught on healing for the sick. Uh, tonight, I'm going to teach on healing for the sick. This is really, really important, and I don't want this to be just book knowledge or head knowledge. I want us to, um, I want us to be in the dimension of faith and spiritually minded. So put a hand on somebody's shoulder or make contact somehow with them. If you feel comfortable doing that, they feel comfortable. Father, we need you tonight. And I pray for divine revelation. I pray that you'd help us, oh Lord Jesus, to do your perfect will in this place and this sanctuary. Let the power of the Most High overshadow us in this place. Even while the word is being taught, I pray that your healing hands would reach down and begin to minister to people where they sit, where they stand, where they worship, where they amen from. I pray in Jesus' name that there would be notable miracles in this place. We don't need emotion to see miracles. We, we don't need hype. We don't need singing. Lord, we need faith which comes by the hearing of the Word of God. And I pray that you'd be with us tonight. And everybody said in Jesus' name, amen. And would you clap your hands unto the Lord and praise Him in advance. Come on, praise Him. Don't look at me and clap your hands. Praise Him. We glorify you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise God. And you may be, you may be seated. I, I'm going to go to the 17th chapter of the book of Matthew and verse 14. And the scripture said, When they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is lunatic and sore vexed. He is, some translations call that epileptic. And then there is another passage, and you will see here in just a moment, I think, in this passage, um, that it has to do with a demonic spirit. And that's not to say that everybody that's epileptic has a demonic spirit, but in this context, this is what was happening here. Uh, and I believe that, as I've said before, that long-term diseases, especially uh, what the doctors and medicines say are incurable diseases, that the only thing we can do is, is treat the symptoms. I believe that, that most, if not all of those, are directly tied to the spirit of infirmity. I believe it is a spirit, and the spirit has to be dealt with more than the physical symptoms that are manifesting as a result of the Spirit. So, for he is lunatic and sore vexed, for oft times he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. I want you to notice that word there, cure. They could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation. How long shall I be with you? How long 
shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. Now, I'm going to continue there in just a moment, but I want you to notice the frustration that Jesus has with his disciples because when they brought this boy to him, uh, he didn't look at him and say, well, I, I'm sorry, sir, but unfortunately your, your son is, is not one of the lucky ones. He's, he's just going to have to stay in that condition. Is that, is that what Jesus said? No. Are y'all here tonight? No. Because he is compassionate. He's compassionate. And if it's not his will that any should perish, if it's not his will that any die in sin, then it's not his will that any be sick. Sickness was not into the world in the world until sin came in the world. So he said, I, I brought him to your disciples and they could not cure him. So, so what if the man had walked in here and Jesus was standing here tonight and they said, I, I brought him to some of the believers at greater faith, but, but they could not cure him. Jesus was frustrated and he didn't say, oh, uneducated generation. And he didn't say, oh, you know, untalented, lack of talent generation. He said, oh, faithless and perverse. Now, those are two words that don't seem like they go together, but in the eyes of God, they do because unbelief is evil and faithlessness is perversion. I said this to someone recently. Flaky people are not going to be found in heaven. They're just not. People that can't be consistent. People that can't be faithful to the house of the Lord. People that can't be faithful in their giving. People whose faith is here one day and on the bottom the next six months. That flakiness has to go. That faithlessness has to turn into faithfulness. And that perversion has to turn into godliness and righteousness and full confidence and trust in the Lord God Almighty. So he said, you know, how, how long shall I be with you? How, how many times am I going to have to example this for you? How many times am I going to have to show you my, what my will is? When the sick come to you, you pray the prayer of faith and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. So he said, bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. The child was cured from that very hour. Now, notice, and I mentioned this last week, but notice Jesus didn't tell him, now, if, if you've got a family practitioner, uh, go, go take him to him and let them run some more tests and make sure he's cured. Are y'all here tonight? Notice he didn't say that. And notice he didn't say, now I'm going to pray for you and it's going to take you a few weeks, but you'll get better. There's no example of process healing in the scripture. And I mentioned this before. There's a couple examples. Jesus prayed for a blind man once and he said, what do you see? He said, I see men walking as trees. 
But he didn't just pat him on the back and say, okay, well, just, just, it'll take a little time, but you'll get better. He said, no, let's pray again. He prayed again, and he, and he was healed. There were ten lepers that came to Jesus, and the Bible said they were healed as they went. But they were headed to see the priest. They weren't healed as they went over the next few days or a few weeks. They, they went in faith, and before they could even get to the priest, they realized that they had been cured of their leprosy. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart. Now they pulled him aside and they said, we didn't want to say this in front of the man or in front of anybody else, but we just need to ask you, why, why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, not, not because, well, they've been involved in a bunch of witchcraft and we just, they, they really don't want to be delivered and they don't want to be saved and, and it's not, they're not singing the right song and the preacher's, you know, the right preacher's not there. Uh, oh, just keep trying and it'll get better. No, he said it's because of your unbelief. It's because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Everybody say, Nothing shall be impossible. Howbeit this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. Now, many people through the years have, have preached uh, that that he was talking about the devil, this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. And possibly that's true. I think if you never fast and you never pray, you're not going to have any spiritual authority, and the devil may do like he, he did one man and, and like to tore him to pieces. Or he may look at you and say, Paul I know and Jesus I know, but who are you? Because you don't have any spiritual authority because there is no foundation of prayer and fasting so I get that but I do believe and I'm not the only one to say this I'm certainly not the first one to say it but I believe he was talking about their unbelief not the devil prayer and fasting is the only way to cast out your unbelief the disciples ask him in one passage of scripture Lord increase our faith everybody say increase our faith Increase our faith. That is important that we allow God to increase our faith and that our faith begins to increase through prayer and fasting. The world is counting on us to be people of faith. The sick are counting on us to pray the prayer of faith and to see people delivered and to see them healed by the awesome power of God. Prayer and fasting is not just for us. It is for everybody that needs something from the Lord. And so we have to work on getting rid of our unbelief. In Psalms chapter 34 and verse 19, the scripture says this, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Now I have, I have heard people preach from this passage of scripture that, that yes, if you're sick, the Lord will deliver you out of all of that. And, of course, I do believe that fact. But the word affliction here doesn't have anything to do with sickness. It is a Hebrew word that means bad or evil. The things that the righteous go through, the bad things, the evil things that they go through, they, they are many, 
But in the end, the Lord is going to deliver them out of them all. So this has nothing to do with sickness, and it has nothing to do with disease. It refers to trials and hardships, persecutions, and temptations. I want to talk to you for a minute about affliction. Because in the same chapter where James said, If there's any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church, and they will pray the prayer of faith, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. In the same chapter, he said, Is any among you afflicted? Is any among you going through hardships and persecutions and trials and temptations? He said, let him pray. Now, there's nothing wrong with having a friend, and there's nothing wrong with having a pastor. you got to have a pastor, and you got to have a shepherd. But if you're not praying, it don't matter how much talking you do. You're not going to be delivered from temptation unless you're asking the Lord, deliver us from temptation. You're not going to come out of the trial and out of the hardship and out of the persecution unless you yourself are praying. So we find the example of Jesus casting out the spirit out of the lunatic boy. And then we see here that James is telling us, is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Some things have to be cast out and some things have to be overcome. And you've got to know the difference. Now, we have this blurry idea of what faith is. And so my topic tonight, what I'm teaching on, is sloppy faith. Everybody say sloppy faith. Now, last week I told you that faith has to be directed at something. You can't just say, I have faith in God. You have faith in God for what? Okay, but what are all things? What are the things right now that you have faith for? Well, I, I trust him. Yeah, you trust him. But, but faith is what heals the sick. And faith is what brings salvation. So if you need salvation, you need to turn your faith toward the forgiveness of God and repent of your sins and ask him to forgive you of all your sins and know that he is faithful and just to do that. If you're sick in body, your faith has to be directed toward God as the great physician, as I talked about last week. But we have this kind of sloppy, ambiguous faith that's just kind of all over the map and just say, I don't understand. I've I've had faith and nothing's changing. Well, let me ask you, how much of that faith have you exercised in prayer? How much of that? I'm going to tell you, I'm going back to Dayton if y'all don't start amening me. How much of that? Have you, have you exercised in prayer? How much of that faith have you exercised in prayer? So when you come up for prayer, you're not just coming up just lifting your hands and just worshiping God. You're coming up saying, I believe not only God can. I told you we're closing the gap between can and will. We believe he can, but we got to believe that he will. And so I'm directing it toward his will. First of all, I believe he can. Second of all, I believe he will. I believe it's his will. And third of all, I believe he will do it right now in this service tonight while the man is preaching, while the man is teaching. The reason I'm asking for a response is because I'm trying to figure out is anybody's faith growing as you hear the word of God? That's where faith comes from. Praise God. 
Now, in Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 3, he said, Thou shalt not, thou shalt eat no unleavened bread with it. Seven days shalt thou eat unleavened bread therewith, even the bread of affliction. Everybody say the bread of affliction. For thou camest forth out of the land of Egypt in the haste that thou mayest remember the day when thou camest forth out of the land of Egypt all the days of thy life. Now, if you look at that in the Living Bible, here's what it says. Eat the sacrifice with unleavened bread. Eat unleavened bread for seven days as a reminder of the bread you ate as you escaped from Egypt. This is to remind you that you left Egypt in such a hurry that there was no time for the bread to rise. Remember that day all the rest of your lives. That is, that is a commandment from the Lord. Remember that day all the rest of your lives. There is a reason why they ate unleavened bread. It reminded them that the delivering hand of God was so quickly moving and that the angel of the Lord was moving through uh, Egypt so quickly. The Lord was plucking them out of 430 years of living in a strange land and over 100 years of slavery. And in just a moment, in the middle of the night, God plucked them out of Egypt and he put them on a course toward the promised land. That that bread of affliction was to remind them that anything with God can change in just a moment. That tonight, right now, instantaneously, that God can send an angel walking down the streets of your neighborhood and that sinner you've been working on can be pulled out of slavery tonight, right now, while we're worshiping and while we're praising. That you, with that disease in your body right now that have been living in slavery, that right this very minute the presence of God can reach down and remove it out of your body. Sometimes you got to eat a little unleavened bread to remind yourself, I was in affliction, but the Lord brought me out of them all. Hallelujah. Can you say hallelujah? Now, isn't that better? It's just better when we have church like that. Thank you. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 6. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Folks, everything is not an attack of Satan. Everything is not an attack of Satan. Some of the stuff that goes on is working on making you a better child of God. We're rebuking devils and God's saying, I appreciate that, but I don't need you to do that right now. What I need you to do is grow up a little bit more. Now, he said, if you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as sons. Everybody say, I'm a son of God. God. Ladies, you said it, but you can say, I'm a daughter of God. (laughs) Should have led with that, huh? For what son is he whom the father chasteneth? Okay, now, he compares his chastening of his own children. Everybody say, "I'm I'm his child. He compares... There's a revelation in here for some of you. He compares the chastening of 
of his own children with the way that we chasten our children. Now, what is the purpose of chastening? If, if you just chasten them for no reason, you're an abusive parent. If you are correcting a wrong, you are a good parent. Because you are fixing something now so that it doesn't grow into something bigger later. And then law enforcement and government and all that kind of stuff or some, somebody that, they, that they're bullying on the playground doesn't have to do the chastening. If they do wrong, you're correcting them because you love them as a son or a daughter, right? That's how God is comparing his chastening to our chastening. Everybody got that? Okay. How many of you have ever poisoned your children? You amen? Your, oh, my God. Okay, that's another service. Huh? Okay, okay. Well, no, I'm talking. How many of you have ever got your little son or daughter? You're gonna mess with my point here now. And and said, now, Junior, you're bad. I'm not talking about soap. And so, because you're bad. I am going to make you eat this rat poison. How many of you have ever done that before? Careful about raising your hand because we have law enforcement in the house. I should have led with that. How many of you have ever just opened up and just poured Clorox down your child's throat to correct them? Right? How, how many of you, how many of you got a, a virus in a syringe and told Junior, you've been so bad, I'm fixing to inject you with coronavirus. How many of you have ever done that? You know why you have it? Because you love your children. God does not use sickness to chasten us. out in the world of people that are irredeemable. They commit crimes so heinous that they have to be locked up for the rest of their life and serve a life sentence. And if you're in some states like Texas, I don't know what it is in Indiana or Kentucky, uh, but don't mess with Texas. They don't play there. If you commit a, a crime heinous enough and they decide your life is not worth redeeming you have to die. They will, they will sentence you to death by lethal injection, or I think they still use the electric chair. And I believe in some states uh, they have brought back um, death before a firing squad. Now, I, I haven't heard it being practiced yet, but I believe that law is in the making in some states. So, yes, there, there are things that go on in the world outside of the body of Christ where penalty, the penalty has to be so severe 
in order to make restitution for the crime that a life has to end or they have to spend the rest of their life in incarceration. There is such a thing as the wrath of God. I'm comparing that out there to the wrath of God upon sinners that the Lord decides my mercy has officially run out. Now, that didn't happen in six months or six minutes or six hours. This is something that went on so long and they became so so full of hatred and vile affections and everything that the wrath of God comes on people and it comes on them in all forms. But you are his son and his daughter. He redeemed you. Your life is not irredeemable. He redeemed you with his blood. And when he redeemed you with his blood, he redeemed you from the curse of sin and the curse of sickness. Oh, you ought to praise him because you have the right tonight, right now, to be healed in your body and in your mind and in your emotions and in your heart and in your spirit. We have a righteous, loving, merciful, compassionate Savior. Yes. That word chastisement means to educate. And it is used of activity directed toward the moral and spiritual nurture and training of the child. Okay. Now, let me just let me just put food for thought out there for those that did not believe the first point about chastisement. And let me just say this. If the Lord were to use sickness or disease to chasten you, to correct a wrong. Surely, just because you don't chastise your child for the rest of their life for one thing that they have done wrong, God would not, if he was using it for chastisement, he would not sentence you to a life sentence with that disease in your body. He would remove the disease as soon as the wrong was corrected. I'm trying to correct a lie that is going through the church. By his stripes we are healed. The chastisement of our peace, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. Sickness, which hasn't been healed, leaves us with uncertainty. Is that right? How can you have total faith in a God that has not fulfilled the promise that he made in his book? God is not a man that he should lie. But all the promises of God are in him, yea, and in him, amen. So if he said... These signs shall follow them that believe. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. He didn't make that as a percentage thing. Like they shall lay hands on the sick and 20% of them shall recover. He made that as an all the way thing because it is a covenant thing. And there is no partial covenant with God. And if you are in covenant with God, then you have the right to be healed. And you have the right to be healed right now. 
I feel faith in this house right now. Yes. A good parent only uses chastening after they have explained what the crime was and been given instruction regarding the violation. Did God explain to you why that sickness is in your body? Well, he's using it to bring others to Jesus. Oh, we'll get to that one in just a moment. Now, here's a third point on chastening. Anybody mad at me yet? No, I must not be doing very good. Here's a third point. Now, if you believe that the Lord is chastening you for your good, and he's trying to make you a better person by letting you stay sick. Then if you're going to the doctor for the cure, aren't you fighting the correction of the Lord? Come on, folks. We got we to gotta use our noggin. I'm trying to dispel. Say, why are you teaching it like this? Because we have too many fictitious things that we have imagined through the years and they have become a part of the apostolic doctrine that we teach. And we're praying, Lord, if it be your will, it is his will. We're not, we're not instructed to pray, Lord, if it be your will, heal me. We're instructed to pray the prayer of faith. All right. Okay. Now, if God is using your sickness to lead others to Christ, then please don't go to the doctor. Please give plenty and ample opportunity for it to get as bad as it can get. Because the worse it gets, the more people will be won. Is that right? The same people that testify that the Lord is using their sickness to bring sinners to Christ are the same people that have a medicine cabinet full of prescription medications that they can't live without. Which, which is it going to be? No, it can't be both. Thank you, Brother Steve. I, I'm, I'm really not trying to be ugly. And for anybody that sees this online, I am not trying to be offensive. I'm trying to preach the truth in love. And this preacher is trying to tell people in this building and people that see this online that you have the right to be healed. And that you are not God's whipping post. He went to the whipping post for you. This is not chastening and it's not a soul winning tool. The devil has lied to the church and told us that. He is our healer and he is the great physician. We have to get rid of sloppy faith and get laser beam faith. Get it focused on what it's supposed to be focused on and believe that the word of God is the word of God. Whoa, why don't you praise him for a minute so you don't get upset? Come on, you can't worship and get offended at the same time. Yeah, we praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Oh, God, we glorify you. Now, are y'all okay? 
We are, we are estranged from God when we are born into this world and we are under the rulership of Satan and we have the inclination to sin. But what I will tell to you is the same power that cast Satan out of heaven is in everyone that is born of God. When you're filled with the Holy Ghost, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. And it shall also quicken your mortal bodies. It's a quickening spirit. It's a life-giving spirit. Jesus didn't say, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly for you to have less than abundant life. He didn't say, I've come that you might have life, but some of you might have to be sick and diseased for the rest of your life. He said, I have come to bring you out of everything that weakened you, everything that kept you in bondage, everything that beat you down, everything that kept you in shame. I have redeemed you from that. I understand your body's going to age. I understand that things in the body break down. I understand that injuries happen. But my word is forever settled. My promise is yea, and it is amen. And if you will believe, I will do the work. That same power gives you the power to cast out everything in you that is of the devil. The same power that cast Satan out of heaven is the same power that you have to cast disease out of your body. It's the same God. It's the same power. So if a demonic disease is ruling your life, dethrone it. Dethrone it. Stop giving it authority. Is that all right? Oh, I feel faith in this house. We, being born in sin, we have a weakness in our wills to resist sin. We have a blindness in our minds before we come to the Lord. We have chaos in our emotions. We have sickness in our bodies until death overtakes us. That is the plot of the sinner that does not turn from God. That's for the world out there. But if God can speak the universe into existence. And God can speak creation into existence. Can he not then turn and speak into that creation? And recreate what sin broke down. Now, now here, here's, what, here's what sloppy... Sloppy faith has. Now, uh, raise your hand, because I have, I have, at some point in my life, and maybe even in the last couple of years with a slip of the tongue or something like that, I probably corrected it after that. But how many of you have ever said miracles happen? Anybody ever said, well, miracles happen? Anybody ever heard anybody say miracles happen? Saying miracles happen is a sloppy way of saying that good things take place sometimes that are beyond the normal. And it is, it is much bigger than that. Why would God perform a miracle if no one knew he had done it? 
Because the miracles testify of his power. The miracles bore witness to the ministry of Jesus Christ, of his Messiahship. Miracles were the validation of the apostleship of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The word miracle means sign. Signs point to something. They are clues that the other world out there is not a figment of our imagination. Miracles is when the world out there that we can't see invades the world in here that we can see and we bear witness beyond our faith now. We have faith and we have works. We have faith and we have evidence that God's power is able to do what we believe that he would do. Exodus chapter 15 and verse 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea and they went out into the wilderness of Shur and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. This this right here is probably top ten passages of scripture for me. This this right here, if, if you have trouble believing in healing, this right here, there's so much revelation packed in these verses it ought to change everything you believe about healing if, if your faith is shaky. When they came to Merah, they could not drink the waters of Merah, for they were bitter. And that's what Merah means, bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Merah. And the people murmured against Moses, which is what bitter people do, saying, what shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. Everybody say a tree. Everybody say the cross. Anytime you're talking about a root, a branch, a bush, a vine, a tree. In the scripture, you're talking about Christ. He showed him a tree. Everybody say the cross. Which when he had cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute. Everybody say statute. And an ordinance. The statutes and the ordinances of God never change. Once he makes it, it never changes. And the Bible said he there proved them. Everybody say he proved them. And there he proved them. I'm I'm about to prove to you who I am, what I can do, and what you will believe. And said, if thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God and will do that which is right in his sight and will give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases upon thee which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. That's Old Testament covenant. That's Old Covenant. That is a statute and an ordinance. Once he makes a statute and a statute and an ordinance, it never changes. Now, if he promised that to the Old Testament saints, that I will heal. Now, for them right there, he healed the waters. And he will do more than heal the waters. He healed the waters. And he said, as the same way I've healed the waters, if you will keep my commandments and keep my statutes, 
and obey my command, obey me, he said, I will put none of the diseases upon you, for I'm the Lord that healeth thee. Just like I've healed the waters, I will heal you. Now, if he said, I will put none of the diseases upon you that I put upon the Egyptians, what he is saying is, I am going to protect you from sickness. I'm going to protect you from disease. I am going to, I'm going to give you perfect health. I put it on them because of my wrath. But if you're obedient to me, I will make sure that nothing else is able to put this stuff on you because I am the Lord that healeth thee. That's past tense. Health is the past tense or the present tense of a past tense healing that took place 2,000 years ago. If you're in health right now and if you're not sick in body, it's because you got a promise back at Calvary by the stripes on his back. The fact that you're not sick is the evidence that he is your healer. Where do you think health comes from? The health don't come from the doctor. The health comes from the miracle work and power of God. So when this old body breaks down or something happens, all you got to do is reconnect to that faith and God can restore you back to the place that you were before the deficiency was in your body. If he did that in the Old Testament, how much more will he do that for people that have been bought and purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ? He proved them. He proved them. Mm. Proved them. The Lord is proving. The Lord is proving us. Now, not convinced? Okay. Exodus 23, verse 25. You shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless thy bread and thy water. And I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. There shall... Nothing cast their young nor be barren in thy land. The number of thy days I will fulfill. The number of thy days I will fulfill. Every one of us are on a time clock. It's appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. Well, wait a minute. You're preaching he's a healer. Well, I mean, we're not immortal. Okay. But if he says the number of thy days I will fulfill. Fulfill, it is my belief that a child of God does not have to go by way of sickness to the grave. You're, every single one of us are one heartbeat away from eternity right now. Every single one of us. You're, you're one inhale, inhale and lack of, or you're one exhale and lack of inhale away from breathing your last heartbeat. Every single one of us are here because of the grace of God. And so because of that, we need not fear death because he's going to fulfill our days. And I've said this before, but in 20, in nearly, what are we, what are we on now? We're nearly 21, 22 years. We're going on 22 years. I know we're going on 21 years. There has not been a single untimely death by way of sickness in this church. Not one. Not one has expired by sickness and disease before God's time clock. What is God's time clock? He said, now some of you are not going to like this, but he said three score and ten years will be the days of man, and if by means of strength four score years, that's 70 to 80 years. But there's no reason why you can't live to 100 by faith if that's what the Lord decides to honor. But the promise 
is 70 to 80 years, and that's not 70 to 80 years with, with most of it containing sickness and all that kind of stuff. Now, I know what's going through people's minds right now. It's like, well, what about this person, and what about that person, and what about this, and what about that? All I need to know is what it says in the book. Because I'm going to tell you something. We don't know who people are. We don't know why God does certain things certain ways. And we don't know why certain people are gone when, when, before we think that they should be gone. There's a lot of mysterious things that happen. But as for me, I'm going to build my life upon the word of God. I'm going to wake up every day and I'm going to do the will of God. I'm going to wake up every day and make a concerted, conscious effort to say, God, help me to be obedient to your statutes and your precepts and your judgments and your commandments. Because if I do, you made me a promise that I can live in perfect health. For you're the Lord that healeth me. Does that excite anybody besides me? He said, I will take sickness away from you. Now, I quoted this, but I quoted the New Testament version of this. But in Numbers chapter 23 and verse 19, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make good? 2 Corinthians 1.20, I quoted this, for all the promises of God are in him, yea, and in him, amen. Psalms chapter 105 and verse 36, he smote also all the firstborn of the land, the chief of all their strength. Verse 37 said, he brought them forth also with silver and gold. Okay, this is the people of Israel. He smote also the firstborn of their land, the Egyptians, the chief of all their strength, the Egyptians. But he brought the people of God forth also with silver and gold. Did he not do that? And there was not one feeble person among their tribes. There was not one feeble person among their tribes. He said, you put that blood on the, on the doorpost and on the lintel of the house. He said, when I see the blood, the death angel is going to pass over. But when you go through the blood, all your feebleness is going to be gone. I am going to bring you out of your slavery. Everything that has crippled you, everything that has injured you, all of the the anemia in your body, the bad diets, the long work, the hard hours, the hot burning sun, the wounds that the Egyptians invoked and, and, and afflicted you with. He said, when you come out of that, if you got a knee out of place, I'm going to fix it. He said, if you got a shoulder that doesn't work right, I'm going to fix it. If you got feet that have been beat with rods where you can't hardly stand up, I'm going to fix it. If you're, if you got organs that are rotting on the inside of you from malnutrition, I am going to fix it. There was not one feeble person among their tribes. I'm closing right now. It ought to be a testimony. That greater faith doesn't have one feeble person among our people. And we ought to pray and fast to get rid of our unbelief so that we can drive it out. We need to drive it out of our individual lives and we need to drive it out of this church. This is greater faith, not in name only. Amen. Somebody ought to praise him right now. Somebody ought to praise him right now. Matter of fact, if you believe that he not only can, but you believe that he will, and you, will, you believe that he will tonight, you ought to praise him. You ought to praise him in advance. 
and this is what it sounds like. If you've been diabetic, Lord, I praise you for taking away this poison, this poison, whatever's causing this. In my, I, I thank you, Lord, for giving me a new pancreas. I thank you, Lord, for regulating my insulin levels. I thank you, Lord. If you got arthritis, God, I thank you for new joints. Uh, I thank you, Lord, for shaving down the bones and shaving all that arthritic fiber off of my joints. Uh, I praise you, Lord. If you got high blood pressure, you got clogged arteries, you got heart trouble, you got you got irregular heartbeat, God. I thank you for putting everything in me to, to heal my heart. I thank you for a new heart. I thank you for a new mind. That's what that kind of praise sounds like. That's faith right there. I, I'm going to give you a chance right now to praise him. I don't think anybody in here has cancer. But if you do, God, I thank you for turning every cancer cell into a healthy cell. I thank you, God, for causing my kidneys to work properly. Thank you, Lord God, for healing my thyroid issue. Thank you, Lord God, for healing my eyes. Praise you, Lord God, for giving me, restoring my hearing, Lord. I praise you, Lord. Come on, is there anybody here tonight on a Thursday night that says, I believe that he can do it, that he will do it right here where I stand? If you're waiting on something, you're backing up. Come on, we got to get rid of sloppy faith, and we got to get that faith directed toward the will of God, the will of God, the power of God, the word of God. In the name of Jesus, oh Lord, we worship you tonight. Come on, I can preach more, but you don't need me to. Oh Lord God, help us. And if you're not praying for healing, I want you to help me pray for the ones that are praying for healing. Because we're going to lay hands on them here in just a moment. But I want you to make intercession for them. And I want you to pray with love and compassion. I want you to let faith which working by love. Lord, in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Lord, I'm going to tell you what needs to happen right this minute. And I see a couple of people doing it right now. I'm going to tell you what needs to happen. Somebody in this place needs to be obedient to what the Holy Ghost is telling you to do. You're waiting to see what I'm going to do and what everybody else is going to do, but somebody needs to be hearing the voice of God in your body right or in your mind right now and in your spirit talking to you. Somebody needs to be hearing it. The Lord directing you, saying, if you'll do this, I'll heal you. If you respond this way, I'll heal you. I, I don't want you to just come forward. I want you to do what the Holy Ghost is telling you to do. Come on, God can take care of your back pain. He can take, take care of your neck pain. He can take care of every disc and every vertebrae, every nerve. He can take care of neuropathy. He can take care of sickle cell anemia. He can take care of damaged ligaments and torn Achilles. And he can take care of brokenness and deformities and growths in the body. In the name of Jesus, he can take care of autism. In the name of the Lord God, we rebuke every sickness. We rebuke every infirmity. We bind the spirit of infirmity in this place. That's it, come on. Somebody's gonna walk out of this place in faith and say right now, right now it's gonna happen for me. 
It's going to happen for me. I'm going to do the will of God. I'm going to keep his commandments. I'm not going to be faithless. I'm going to be more faithful. Come on, God's not chastening you. Oh, hallelujah. That's it. Woo. I feel it right now. I feel it right now. I need some elders in this place that have faith. I need you to come help us pray for some people. I need some elder men and women that'll come up here and, and lay hands and lay hands on the sick. Oh, and the name, come on. Your mind and your attention can't be on the symptoms. It's gotta be on Jesus. We don't focus our faith on the symptoms. We focus our faith on Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus right now. Oh God, hallelujah. I praise your name. Come on, we got time for this. We got time for this.